0: In 2017, a crack Namsoft unit formed a supergroup to create the most immersive Vietnam experience. These men promptly escaped from the normal pickup gameplay to the MilSim underground. Today, still wanted by the community, they survive as producers of fortune. If you have interest, if no one else does it right,
1: and if you can come correct, maybe you can join the Bay Team.
2: All right, Bay Podcast listeners, we're on the thirteenth episode, one year tour in country, our anniversary episode since we've started this in February last year. How do you feel, guys? Woohoo! Yeah, that's awesome. Cheers. I'm coming
1: to Disneyland. I ain't get on no plane, Hannibal. <laughs> all right,
2: all right. So, on this podcast, we're trying something a little different where we are doing this all over Discord. So, with us, we have CJ Sen. Say what's up, CJ. What's up? We also have Mike Ferrucci. Say what's up, Ferrucci. Hey yo, how you doing? And then we have Roman Kamensky. Say what's up, Roman. What's up, Roman? <laughs> okay, let's start this bullshit. And speaking of bullshit, there just came out this bill uh, for New Jersey banning the sale of toy guns. So you did when when this first got released or announced i know like Ferrucci posted it in, in the uh, east coast nomsoft and everyone's going crazy and no one really did any research about it they just saw toy guns assuming that airsoft was involved and it included toy you know um the toy gun band included airsoft guns but that's not true yeah. um there's like a weird loophole and it does not pertain to airsoft guns so that's all i really want to say about it uh, do you guys have anything else to add about it
1: Murphy's a jerk off. Mm-hmm. As the the one guy that lives in Jersey, yeah, yeah, he's a jerk off.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, be smart with your airsoft guns. Treat them like real firearms. You know, put them in your trunk, unloaded. <clears throat> keep them in a gun bag, and you should be okay. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you God forbid you ever get pulled over or anything like that, at least announce that you have that those as weapons in your trunk or whatever. You know, make make it known to the police officer that you are carrying airsoft guns. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: I've done it, you know, nothing really, you know, they're usually really cool about it, so.
0: I mean, I, I I never really had that issue, thankfully, but, you know, it, well, we just have to worry about those, you know, kids who have to, you know, that try to, you know, I forget what I'm going to say. Sorry. Um... No, it's uh, just—it's just once again the law trying to put a, you know, basically a safety blanket over the rest of us because they think we're all idiots, and we're just going to
1: hold down the man.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. But
2: unfortunately, Uh, there are enough idiots out there that ruined it for everybody.
3: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I remember when I started it (laughs) out back in like 2000 three or seven whenever I started out there was story of a kid who was biking home from a game in Jersey with his AEG on his back so he got (laughs) cops called on him this this was um uh it's like up here in Jersey closer to the city
2: uh like Bergen County
3: no, uh, it was like an unofficial field too. So it wasn't like um, it wasn't like a solid field like Range Fourteen. This was like a field like there was there were just once in a while that hold games on it, but it's not a dedicated field. Outlaw um, airsoft field. The the, the <laughs> I remember they had like I don't know chicken coops there at some part of it or something. It wasn't freehold, was it? Uh, no, 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 was it freehold?
1: Cause that was like the field back in the day that was the place to go, and they had chicken coops and barns. Yeah, it, it, it
3: might be Freehold. Freehold's kind of close to New York City, right? No, it's that Freehold's down. Maybe by like May, an hour May. out, forty-five minutes from like Staten Island. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, so it's kind of up there. Yeah, I think it's. I think it was Freehold. Yeah, I think it was after that that they stopped having constant games there.
1: That wasn't the reason, but yeah, it was shortly after that.
3: It's weird too. Yes. You know, plenty of, plenty of idiots out there, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, for many different reasons. I mean they like like you guys are saying, they carry without bags or anything, they just act completely irresponsible with it and they make the rest of us look bad. I mean
2: Yeah. Well, I mean
1: Yeah. People are stupid. Don't be
0: mm-hmm. stupid. Play responsibly. Get a bag.
2: Yeah, don't ruin it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. If
0: Ferrucci doesn't do it, neither should you. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm. Hey, you know I'm very responsible. My exactly. That Isn't is true.
2: Special? Ferrucci's like a robot when it comes to the law.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Robo Ex- Ferrucci. Yep. <laughs> Could you handle that? No.
2: Robo Guido.
1: <laughs> Robo Guido. <laughs>
0: Robo-mop. Like every, like every, like every hour, like a cannoli just like, like just is cooked and it just comes out of me.
2: No, what we do is we, we blender yeah, a cannoli and feed it to you like the mash that RoboCop gets <laughs> in RoboCop. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know like that, like baby food he eats? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, I'd be that abomination? I was thinking no. more like.
2: like no, you're normal. not, dude, you're not going to look cool.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, you're not like I wasn't a terminator. So, well, obviously. <laughs> I wasn't surprised, obviously, but I was thinking more like Bender, you know, from like Futurama and everything. You know, just like this boxed-out Guido look, you know, like clamps.
3: Nah, be <laughs> clamps,
0: clamps. You, remember, you know, let me add them. Let me add him!
3: Don't make me clamp you.
0: Exactly. Thank you. Somebody, somebody watches TV around here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that that basically be me. So. So. As much as I'd love to be some badass, you know, Austrian robot, you know, with awesome glasses and uses every, you know, firearm proficiently. I know that's not going to happen, not in this world. Have you watched so. Terminator? Of course I have.
1: It, it was not very proficient.
3: Uh, okay, I get it. So, look, he killed
0: a co- – no, in the first one, he killed a ton of cops with that AR-18. AR
3: you're, you're talking to to a 6-millimeter machine gunner
0: this is in comparison.
3: <laughs> oh, my goodness,
0: <laughs> proficient. We he, talking about you know six millimeter machine guns. I mean, come on.
2: Yo, know, Frucci, Speaking of six millimeters, how's your dick after your surgery? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: uh, barely usable, you know. Um yeah. but
1: so not maybe, much has changed, huh? Different. Not at all. Different. Not at all.
0: I mean, I like to thank Viagra for sponsoring this podcast, and. uh. Yeah, maybe one day it'll be useful, but you know what? Let's hope not. Well, I hope so, especially with the word pocket and everything. We're gonna spend maybe, you know, the the most of the afternoon together. Maybe we'll go, you know, you know, extend it to the night. You know, you me, CJ. It'll be a very nice, uh, you know, brotherly, <laughs> uh, you know, night together. You know, and you know, with the stars above us. Oh yeah. It'll, well, be, uh, it'll be a fantastic time. All right,
2: let's move on to the Ruhr Pocket, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> nice, nice trying to segue into that, Ferrucci. I'll give you credit yeah, for that. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank so, you. I mean, so yeah,
2: wait. It's, let's let's uh, talk about <laughs> that. It's the Ruhr Pocket. It's a World War II event, March 14th at Zulu 24. Um, tickets are thirty-five dollars now. The price will go up five dollars in March to be forty dollars, and the walk-on price is forty-five dollars. Um, we've never done a World War II event at Zulu, but we've been to one. Well, I, well, Roman and I have been to one back in September, and it was pretty good. So we're hoping Still to, um, you know, carry on what we've been doing at GZA and hopefully get some guys at Zulu, and we'll have a decent turnout. Yeah, the,
3: the, there is a decent amount of guys who show up in Russian kit regularly. I think to Zulu.
2: All right, so hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get them. I know. We've had a few signups already. Um, I'm not going to give numbers uh, to what side because the last time I did that, I said, "Oh yeah, I got I got a decent amount of Germans," and then a few guys that usually go German went Allies, and I was like, "No, I, that means I just had a good amount of Germans for World War II, since we never get that many Germans." So um, I'm not. We we do have a decent amount of signups, uh, including staff. It should be a, a you know numbers should be decent. Um, but obviously, sign up as early as possible. It helps us. It's our first event, so planning wise, there's nothing sidetracking us from like other events and that kind of thing. So it should be pretty good. And it's not too late to order gear. Mm-hmm. That is true. You have you have less than a month. ATF at the front. Um, we'll get it to you in like a week. They're pretty good. Yeah,
1: really, really quick shipping on them.
2: And for guys that don't have gear or don't want gear if you can make yourself look like a 1940s civilian think about how your grandpa dresses you can come as a partisan force which will most likely be on the German side for the Ruhr pocket because it'll be like a volksturm uh element so yeah if you if you if you have a World War II gun but you don't have the uniform uh you know make yourself look like an old man and come down
4: Right.
3: It's we're, really we're talking exciting. about World War II games that We're talking about the Russian game. No, no this was a World, World War II two. game. Oh, oh yeah, Zulu's great for World War II. They actually <laughs> have a lot of a lot of the the, the the Germans showing up there. That last time, the problem was like we had too many guys with automatics because they actually showed up with bolt actions.
2: Yes. And the best so, is I actually had a full German kit and went resistance with my automatic German gun, mm-hmm. so I didn't even get the help. So, of
3: that. so this is good, good, good. We, we need more, more World War Two
2: games up there. I thought we were
3: already talking about the Russian. Pocket. No, ba- no, Baltic. Come
2: on. Yeah, Baltic retaliation is at Tolcom March twenty eighth. That's a Russian NATO game. That's modern. That's going to get more discussion next episode.
3: Right, I'm sorry. I confused. That's why I brought up Russians. That had nothing to do with World War II game. There. <laughs> honestly, if you didn't say
2: anything, we probably would have not even noticed.
3: Yep.
1: But...
3: <laughs> I was like,
1: I was like, really? Like more than like five people show up in World War II? Russia? No, games? no.
3: That that is the new quota to smash, guys. Five Red Army guys. That is beat that, beat that. Yeah
2: so okay let's um let's move on to the next segment of this podcast which is we have our first veteran of the vietnam war coming on and we're going to ask him a few questions and interview him All right, so with us we have Steve Ferrucci, which is Mike Ferrucci's father, who, don't be confused by the last name, Steve Ferrucci is a true gentleman, Mike Ferrucci, not so much. <laughs> so um, Steve was a Vietnam vet, and we're going to ask him a few questions. So Steve, I'm just going to start him up, and like I said, you answer him and tell us your story. So what year okay. did you actually join – and you joined the army, right? So, what
5: year did you actually yeah. join
2: the the army?
5: I joined in uh, July, 1969.
2: Okay, and uh, you volunteered.
5: I volunteered. Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, so, if you were born, I mean, I'm sorry. If you were, if you joined in '69, what years were you in country? You like in the '70s? Yeah, but it was late '70,
5: 70, '71. Okay. Okay. Because I spent time in Germany. And I was in Germany for a while, for about six months. Then they came down to Lovely. They, they needed uh, bodies over there, you know. Wow. They needed actually door gunners. But uh, I was in the MPs. I said, I don't want to be no door gunner. <laughs> I don't want to be no aircraft, you know.
2: And a bullet magnet. Exactly. So you, your MOS, you were an MP. An MP.
5: Yeah, I was 95 B10 with a secondary 11 Bravo MOS, which was infantry.
2: And where in country were you stationed?
5: I was in Quantry Province, up north by the DMZ.
2: Wow, no shit.
5: Yep. So through the first and the fifth mechanized infantry they weren't far from the third uh, Marine Division. They, they were pulling out. Or right. They pulled out. Yeah. But there's still a lot of activity up there. Otherwise, even though the papers didn't uh, cover that, I found out through my father, you know, right, writing right. the letters, yeah. Oh, he said. He said in the newspapers, there's no American units north of Da Nang. I was like 150 miles north of Da Nang. I was right up, right of sitting on Charlie's doorstep.
2: Right. Wow. Uh, it's amazing the uh, press coverage changed over the like, over the course of the war. It was like they were covering, they were covering, and then it kind of like weaned away and had they had a different narrative to you know to push their anti-war movement.
5: That's correct. There's a lot of anti-war movement. Late '60s and early '70s. Yeah, because the time I was in, it. early '70s. Even though I was in we part of '71, I mean, we had the uh, equivalent amount of troops in country. They were starting to stand down, uh, equivalent to about like 1966. But there was a lot of activity up there because it was a pretty hot zone up there. You know?
2: Yeah, that was basically South Vietnam's uh, doorfront
5: front. <laughs> yes, it was. We were close to it, uh, right? Right on the. Right on the doorstep of the Yashal Valley. But a okay. year before, in 1970, the 101st Airborne uh, fought the Battle of LZ Ripcord. So, what, what yeah. major operations were you involved with? I was involved in Lam San operation, Lam San 719 uh, assisting the RV, giving a convoy escort uh, to the, uh, the Laotian border. And, well, from Kwangtree Base was the staging area. Was a major operation, uh, the nineteen tide offensive by the North. Uh, the Arvin started out great. They got hammered in the end, but the guys that held their own, the units like the uh, Arvin Rangers, the Airborne, and the Marine, Arvin Marines, good. We, we the hundred first lost out lot of they probably lost more helicopter than that operation assisting the army. And he did during a good point. Poor- Not too many people knew that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We were doing convoy escort, going up to QL1 to Ha QL9, going up by the Rockpile, Kaysan, Kalu, Kamlo, and we were... Hey, Joe bridge we uh, we were a convoy escort v1 like like you saw up in uh, beth page oh, right the v100 museum. that you wrote in yeah. you and michael and the guys wrote in they had that we had uh, we were in jeeps uh, given escort and they had uh, gun trucks from the uh, from the transportation unit that was nearby they had these gun trucks of 50 cal and m60s uh painted black you know and they had uh they had fancy names and signatures somebody was an artist in their company and put up put in names like death dealer and things like that you know with the, with, with the uh the death card of what was it, the ace of spades
2: right right right
5: yeah you know they, the gun trucks were real, guys were pretty cool up there some of them were were former infantry guys some guys had uh, they that was there on their second tour in country you know.
2: Oh, true. We're yeah, there. I guess I guess being late in the war, you probably did have a lot of guys on their second or even third tour at that point.
5: Yep, that's right. That's exactly right.
2: So, Steve, you you said you um, you escorted the Arvin, at, but did you interact with uh, locals at all in any capacity? You
5: know, being an MP, yeah, were well, you? yeah. We well, we were on the base where we were out. we so were going or sometimes we look for straggler GIs that were going. Pick them up. And we'd interact with the uh, the locals, you know, the Vietnamese and Papa Papasans down there, you know. Yep. And uh, you got to watch out if you stick your hand out if because uh, they'll steal the wristwatch right off your uh, wrist, you know. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was quick that way. <laughs> yep. So, like, did you learn any
2: uh, Vietnamese or do you remember any at this point?
5: Do I remember any of that? Uh, uh oh jeez uh yeah yep I me shut up you know yeah you know a a lot come over here quick you know you know yeah Lade lot come here um Bamy lamier was dirty old man you know we call some of the G.I.s that you know yeah I worked with the with we had a couple of we had a small smallest contingent of Anglico, There were Marines that were, were worked with the Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company. And uh, they were they were good. They were good guys. So everybody was in the same soup, you know? Yeah. The same crap, you know? Well, late in the war, uh, early in the war, middle of... Probably the worst of the war was 67, 68 and a half or 69. But eh, it was still, still pretty hot over there in the area. Uh, 'Cause it was right. just there. when I got in country it was right after the uh, Cambodian uh, invasion, you know. Right. But um it was an interesting tour. Well my tour in Germany was even interesting, you know. Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. We had up uh, an elegant concern, we had a race ride. So we had to go up, you know, lock and loaded and everything. They they uh, they a couple of radicals broke into the arms uh, barracks there and uh, and then he burnt up a helicopter, so we had to be ready to fire on these guys. Of course, they got caught, and they were court-martialed, sent back to Fort Leavenworth, we you know? but prison. now. But so my my, my uh, introduction into uh, a little bit of combat took place actually first in Germany before wow. I got to Asia. You know, so that's crazy. You know, you so, know, we're, we're in, in, in certain units and in, in, in rear areas there. There was race problems they were having, you know. That's all because of what happened stateside, you know. Right. Uh, the mood of the country was, was at that time. Well, so, what else do you want to know?
2: So let me ask this. Actually, we'll, we'll go back to Germany for a quick second.
5: Where were you Where were you in Germany? I was in Stuttgart with the 385th MP Pibetan. Okay. The okay. home of
1: the Porsche.
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Porsche <laughs> is right there. That's right. It's yeah. all the plan, as a matter of fact. Yep. It was a nice town, Stuttgart. You know? Yeah, I've been there. It's a, it
2: actually is a nice little town.
5: Um,
2: so, well, yeah, was,
5: I was a, I was actually wondering. I was
2: like, I, you know, I guess if you were an MP, you you if you were in Berlin, would you have been at checkpoint, checkpoint Charlie?
5: Uh, I, I never got to Berlin, but I, I visited a bunch of places around Germany, into France and what have you. You know, you know, uh, guys, guys our, our guys and our a couple of guys we were selected to go T.D.Y. to an Air Force base in Scotland. Uh, went down to Switzerland. Uh, we were like all over the place, you know. Uh, our job was to, uh, you know, once again, you know, guide the uh, the convoys that because we're always going up the graaff for uh, uh, maneuvers, you know. Right. And then, then, then one of the the, the, the trickier, dicer things we had to do was follow the uh, smell of vehicles SMLM Soviet military liaison mission and follow them because we had uh, a, a, a like like a policy with them with the Russians at the time to uh, you know it, they would have they would have a military officers and one of their command vehicles come on our side and we would have something over there so we, we were just to follow them not to interdict them or, or do anything to harm them, supposedly. Because that could cause an international situation of grave concern, you know.
2: Right. So you're just basically puffing each other's chest out.
5: Yeah, pretty much. You know, got to watch these guys because they kind of want them away or uh, away from sensitive areas where right. we had, uh, you know, military bases or what have you. I've seen troops over by the Czech border, you know. Yeah. Uh, hmm. You know the, the the guard towers and everything right, right. checks of Russians you know you know wise guys are flying the bird you're not supposed to do that because you know, that could that could cause an international incident you know right and then we did maneuvers with the, I had a fire engines in the back
2: yeah I know this fabulous you live in the city
5: <laughs> oh you live in the city yeah oh, well Queens in, uh, oh in Queens there yeah you go. the boys are rolling yeah but uh uh so right, let's go back to Vietnam what during your downtime
2: like what did you do you know during I guess in between patrols or you know for R&R or anything like that what did you like do for your downtime
5: well I was supposed to go to Australia but I never made it because we were on operation. so I won't the best I could do was uh, was China Beach you know okay but uh, uh, I was actually there was a program about that years uh, a TV yeah,
2: yep. series yeah TV show yep
5: um but uh, most of the time you're writing home or, or if they uh, they were always asking for guys to go out to the fire bases that 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 used to ring the DMC They used to be uh, occupied by the Marines but uh, when they started pulling out we we stepped in you know and uh, we were covenant there were there were fire bases with artillery pieces up there and we would pro- pro- provide like 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 a small infantry detachment of uh, MPs you know. Right. So we did that and we did some uh, commo up there you know. Okay. Keeping communication with the different bases and things things of that nature. And then we did route reconnaissance and then we, on a country base we had gate uh, guards we had that. Uh, they did duty with, with a couple of MPs that uh, had guard dogs over Quongtree ammo base, but sappers got into the base and blew the damn thing. So all night long, that, that shit was blowing like 500 feet in the air, maybe high. Wow. You know, yeah. A couple of guys got hurt. Dogs lost the dogs, though. Explosion. Uh, I was on the south brigade uh, uh, of the Quongtree base when that happened. And then we get our fair share of, um, it would be uh, attacks at dawn they would come at the fire base you know try to get into the constantino wire but, but uh, they were just probes they weren't right. really full on attacks because they were just waiting for the americans to very gradually leave they wanted them to americans to leave cuz the south would out with the americans in the way but once we left by 1975 Saigon was there so yeah. you know.
2: yeah so really so a, you, well, i mean you're i would say, you'd say
5: all, all of, overall your biggest threat were the sappers and the probes or sappers, probes because uh, I was an in infantry but we were field MPs right you know we, we weren't the guys down in Saigon that we had the shiny boots or anything like right. that like we had in Germany which was side like stateside duty actually actually, Germany was good in one thing but I, but I hated Germany there's too much chicken shit you know <laughs> you know bullshit you know yeah. Buy the book this, buy the book that, kiss my ass this, that, and everything. Else. I said, who the hell needs this, you know? But half the, half the guys in the company wound up getting 249 49 there to, to NOM anyway. So uh, maybe some guys did volunteer for the country. I don't know. Right. But uh, everybody had a part, you know. Either, you know, because they say, well, you weren't a, a a main primary fighter. But, you know, it wasn't like World War Two. You had a front, you know. Yeah. In, the, in Vietnam, the war was everywhere and nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because you never know what was going to happen. You could be a clerk typist, a military police ordinance or something, truck driver, You know, uh, uh transportation specialist or something, anything. You know? right. there, was, there was all kinds of MOSs. So, uh, I don't know. That, that's, you know... Uh, anything else you want to ask? Yeah, which, so after your tour, what did you
2: do? Like, did you stay in the Army? Did you just go home, you know, go to, back to college or well, get a job? Well, what I did
5: was after, the, I think in 72, I went to uh, Westchester Community College on a GI bill. Never finished it, though. Didn't really have the interest in school. I don't know. I guess I had, had some PTSD. And, hmm. and later, later I found some effects from aging. That's another story. And then I wound up. I got on the uh, the fire department, in nineteen seventy three, seventy four, up here in Westchester. Someplace. Okay, very good. I did twenty eight years up here. Well, I say by uh, nineteen eighty one, eighty two, I uh, uh, I joined the National Guard. Delta Battery Two Five Eight Field Artillery, that was uh, down in uh, Kingsbridge Army. It's not there anymore because my uh, my wife's uh, cousin's husband was a first sergeant down there. So I wound up in the uh, FDC fire direction control, you know. So we go down to, down to Fort Dix and fire off some rounds, you know, with the 155 and uh, the self propelled 8 inch we had, you know. But well, that's what Delta Battery was. We had the 8 big gun. And then I got, I got a little tired with that and I uh, I transferred over to um, New Rochelle to the naval. Uh, there's a Naval Reserve thing over there, and I, and I was part part of with uh, F Company, Second Battalion, Twenty Fifth. Oh,
2: very so nice. So I did
5: some, so I did some time with them. Matter of fact, I met a guy up in Bethpage. Michael knows him. Now he was with F Company, Second Battalion, Twenty Fifth. A lot younger, but he said uh, the unit he was with, City Long Island, because that's where they they moved to. You know that unit was activated in the early 90s to go to Iraq. They they served, you know.
2: Well, yeah, during a desert storm.
5: That's correct. Yeah.
2: So how did you but, feel about Vietnam before you went over, and then what did you think about it after leaving the country?
5: Well, before I got there, I thought it was for a good and just cause. You know, I'm, I'm talking about like when I was 15, 16, 17 years old back around 1964, 65, 66. But by the time I got in, well, I went in when I was about 18 and a half years old. I, uh, and after going to Vietnam, I said, you know, we're not going to win this war. you just had a feeling, you know, because we weren't fighting to win. We were just supporting, you know, the Auburns. And uh, the Auburns weren't going to hold up a fight on their own. They, they weren't that reliable, the troops. Not all of them, maybe maybe some units were good, but uh, their officer corps was very corrupt and uh, not to say all of them were but uh, the uh, the North, the North Vietnamese, they were too dedicated in their cause, and the south uh, I don't know
4: if you you know
5: my, my feeling is, is as a country, if you want freedom, you've got to fight for it and earn it yourself. You can't have somebody else fight your battles for you, you know. Right. It's like the bully in a schoolyard, you know. But actually, you're going to have to stand up to him, you know. Right. You know, either beat him or take your lumps but uh, gain his respect. But either or, the Vietnamese, they caved after we left. And uh, the government just uh, didn't want to sink any more money into it after 10 long freaking years. Yep. And 58,000 good soldiers later. It was a waste. You know it was like like any war. You know, World War Two was not a good war, but at least you fought for a good cause. Korea, Vietnam, all right now All the same crap, you know. They they have no end. There's there's no uh resolution no. to them, you know. Uh, we just don't know how to finish it up, you know, like we used to back in the day when my father was in the service. Uh but uh, uh you know, we got good young people in the armed forces now. You know, they they they're carrying a the load. But uh I like seeing all you guys. You go all in your eye and you are uh, you know, they're like the 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 bet the museum. and uh, everybody's very very into it. And I, and I like that ceremony that was, you know, was beautiful.
2: Yeah, that was a nice and ceremony. Yeah.
5: That was very nice, very beautiful, yeah. you know. I mean that's yeah. I mean
2: CJ it says, says this a million times. this is the reason why we do this is to really pay respect to the vets that were there you know with the interest that we have and we want to yes. do it right
5: we're giving homage to these people that have served and came before and you're keeping up a tradition in their memory more or less you know I mean, what we're they trying did, to. what they accomplished yeah, yeah you guys are doing a good job. And uh, you guys are worth. It. And you know, once you take, raise your right hand to uh, to uphold the Constitution, uh, there is no, uh, uh, you know, there 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 is no date expiration date on that. So you always in your heart, you always carry that, and you serve, and you serve the flag, you serve with an honor, and you. Uh, Want to uphold uh, all the things that uh, the country stands for, what the Constitution stands for, right. you know? Yeah. So you guys are all all veterans. You guys, we're all patriots. So, you know, stand tall and raise the colors. You know.
2: Yeah. But, no. Uh, I mean, like I said, we've we've tried. We're wannabes. I'll say that. I'm not going to claim we're anything, anything. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. But um, no. Like fine, like yeah. I said, we. We you thank you for your service, and and we try to make you proud by emulating what you did in in your youth. And I know your son; he uh, he's very proud of what you've done. He you know he wears he wears your uh, unit hat.
5: Yep, I saw that. Yep. Uh, he got that yep. old booty. Yep, yep, that old boonie hat. You know, God, yeah, God bless you guys. So, so you, Steve, let me you ask guys you, you guys let me ask
2: you this what? question. One more question, actually. Yeah. No, um, how. How do we get you out there to come out with us, suited up? You want to get me out there, suited up? Yeah, we'll make you like an old, oh, we'll know. make you like an old sergeant or like a, you know, like a <laughs> lieutenant colonel or something.
5: Oh man, uh, I, I, you know, that, that wouldn't be bad. But I, I'd like to do it in the warmer weather, if you know. Oh what I'm yeah, saying. no, like oh.
2: I'm saying, during the summer, you can hang out in the, uh,
5: okay. uh, the talk with my dad. Oh, that'd be great yeah i met your dad he's a great guy
2: yeah you guys will have fun
5: oh yeah i mean uh you know just to say you guys are wannabes i wouldn't say that i think you guys go beyond that you know you do for a good and just cause and uh hey the veterans appreciate it and you guys appreciate it you know so uh it's a good thing
2: yeah the museum thing is really good um yeah, well, yeah, we're gonna like talk. To see...
5: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Steve. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, I'd like to see that place up in Massachusetts. I got it up in Springfield, wherever the heck that is. Uh, that museum up there.
2: Oh yeah, Randy's place. We'll be we'll be going up there soon. Okay,
5: I gotta like take a ride with you guys. Definitely. You know, just to see up there. But the place with the um, best page was outstanding, and uh, all the equipment and everything it was really great. Yeah, we'll be back Very there. Very educational, you know. Yeah. And and it serves a very important function, you know. It uh, it teaches people of of what was done for for our country. Uh, you know, for the freedoms that we enjoy every day that, that most people take for granted. You know. Yep. And they don't know how lucky they are there. But uh, anything else you want to know, Liam?
2: No, that's it, Steve. I th- I think uh, this is a good interview, man. This is the, you're you're the first of this kind of interview we've done. With a really? veteran,
5: yeah.
2: All right, so Steve, thanks for coming on. It was a great interview. You gave us a lot of insight of your experiences in Vietnam. But now, it's time to come correct with Bay. Come correct.
0: Come correct. Come correct.
2: Come correct.
4: Come
2: blouses for usgis nva and Viet Cong. we're going to start with the pavin side so roman lead us into talking about the nva pavin uniform tops that you can get which is acceptable for the broken hour events um vietnam stuff and just in general vietnam events you know all around that happen
3: all right so unfortunately Moore's was the best place to get this stuff but these days he's pretty much out of product in, in any sizes we wear uh, he's got maybe a couple of things here and there but that he's no longer a reliable source but it used to be Moore's was the best repro in the uniforms that you could get like it just had this color to it that kind of like if it was wet it looked kind of more green but when it's dry you look a little more tan
2: yeah it was very like it was pretty much khaki like the real khaki not like the the light tan khaki you get from Old Navy I'm talking about like the US GI from World War II khaki
3: I, yeah I suppose um the, the only real thing that you can that you will come short on uh coming close is that the pockets on the you have the two breast pockets and they're supposed to be scalloped which means is uh, they kind of have this like bat wing type of cut to it where it folds over down and uh, the only other person making reproductions now is the sew shop out of Russia.
2: Right, squadron sew okay. shop.
3: Right. And if you want stuff from him order yesterday he he works on one project at a time he makes a bunch of other stuff for other people unrelated to vietnam stuff so if you want a, a good repro that will actually fit you you got to give him a lead time of like a month and a half or something and then it'll take like a month and a half to arrive to the states yeah so get but he in does touch really good work uh, yeah i have one liam's got one uh we're both pretty satisfied
2: yeah i, I my mva the uniform smart, is obviously. fits me great it it looks amazing you it, know it, it's i
3: smash. Yeah. it doesn't feel like it's gonna tear apart like it's made out of like tissue paper at like one repro that i have
2: no it's almost like a, a tough canvas it's like light but it's like tough at the same time i don't know how to explain it
4: have you guys had any experience with the Luke Imperial stuff? Because I know he has a ton of NVA stuff.
3: I um, actually Luke Imperial is good for other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have
1: some of his stuff, and it's it's kind of it's kind of like flimsy, like it's like real thin, but I it hasn't ripped or anything. But then again, I really don't do VC very
2: often.
4: They're they're usually like a hundred dollars to a hundred thirty dollars a set. Right. Um, so I don't know what your experience is there with that.
2: You know, I also get my uh, TV remotes from uh, Luke Imperial, too.
3: <laughs> do you really? Yeah, there's <laughs> no, a lot no. you can get.
2: Yeah, no. By the way, um, I, I'm i a dickhead, and I didn't introduce him, but Brian McKenna hopped on. He's going to talk about the uh, Discord channel that we're talking on right now a little bit later, but he's going to hop on and talk talk with us about this uh, Come and Correct shit. So say Absolutely. what's up, McKenna.
4: Pleasure to be here, first time, long time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, so let's say Roman, let's say um, I don't want to spend one hundred twenty dollars on a squadron so shop set.
3: That's that's fine. If if you aren't interested, if you aren't that interested, you can come good enough. If you get a Dickies shirt, one that only has two pockets just the breast pockets you wear it tucked in you don't need the lower pockets and you don't need any epaulettes it's all uh, it's all very like um there's nothing on it just the pockets that's it yeah it's a basic shirt shirt
2: and what is it like 20 bucks
3: uh i'm sure on amazon you can probably get it for 20 if not like less if you dig deep enough yeah
2: I mean, Some I know sort of they have them at a Walmart
3: sales or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Walmart usually has Dicky stuff. You can get stuff on sale at Walmart. Walmart doesn't have sales. They have everyday low prices.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he's right. Vakies. He's right. <laughs> so moving on, let's talk about the Viet options. You know, the uh, civilian dope. shirt, a.k.a. black pajama but I want to say, I just don't. I, I just want to emphasize don't. on go ahead Roman
3: just don't just don't don't come in a black shirt it's corny it's not really accurate and also you're gonna regret it because it attracts all the sunlight you're gonna sweat harder than yes. everyone else and that's it why I want to
2: emphasize I wanted to emphasize civilian shirt because it doesn't need to be as Roman said the black shirt so you look. You show up, showing looking like a ninja.
3: Yes. Or or you come starting with all this other black stuff, and you're just looking more like SWAT than 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 uh, Vietnamese, uh, you know, irregular. Like especially, I mean, we're not on the pants episode, but you, if you're gonna insist on coming and wearing black, don't come in black uh, cargo pants.
2: Right. That's the next episode, Roman. You can rant know, about that next but episode. But it's
3: just the people that wear the black shirts come in the black pants. They I come together.
4: I know. I know. You can get if, them on, in sets, and I think that's the most uh, how most people get it. I know I got all of my stuff from either Luke Imperial or other eBay uh, sources, and they usually come in sets. So
2: yeah, but you know, like what I did. Um, luckily, I live in a Chinese area the chinese neighborhood so i went to like the chinese variety shop and they were selling like legit like vietnamese like look they look like vietnamese villager shirts i just bought like a red one you know like a maroonish one um i think i gave my brother like a like a light green tan one it was almost like look white looking so i mean you can mix it up like you're supposed to look like an irre- regular ununiformed force and that's, i think that's what roman's going for correct me if i'm wrong roman
3: no that's right there's these are people that are like okay it's about that time of the day that we give americans trouble so they just go get their weapons out of hiding and then they go give them some trouble they go bury some mines they go set up some booby traps and then they go back to doing their daily routine it it they shouldn't look like a uniform force like these days you would call them insurgents
2: and you know i'm glad you're um, talking about this robin because there will be a use to look like a civilian for this year at coaches, and you know it, it'll, it'll come into play is all I want to say so even if you want to wear your black pajamas full ninja kit when you're fighting bring like an extra t-shirt to be like your civilian don't shoot me shirt um, it'll be useful that's all I can say for that for now
3: last episode we were talking about headgear uh we didn't mention the the cone hats yeah the farmer hats yeah because of course we're not supposed to wear them no but if we're gonna have civilians who are i don't know farmers that would be the only the only reason to wear one of those hats
2: yes yes
3: and to be fair i do own one of those hats and i do own a full set of the black pjs my black PJs were probably meant for like uh, tourists, and they were sent from Vietnam in a carton of Vietnamese Marlboros. That's awesome, Farb. So they're they're totally <laughs> Vietnamese, and I have switched out of my uniform into them when in the middle of the day you're completely saturated and you want your uniform to dry before the evening, and I threw on super light. Uh, this pj set but it doesn't have to be black i highly encourage against black it's it's supposed to be a farmer shirt any shirt just gets dirty go with brown go with some sort of other color that looks like it was something else and it got dirty
2: just look at pictures too like you'll see you see you know don't look at pictures of vietcong look at pictures of just regular civilians in their day-to-day you know you look at like a picture of like Saigon they got they they're not just all wearing black PJs
3: and uh, you know like I uh, gave my example of I got totally sweaty and threw something on you can just have like just another tan shirt as a backup and just as well it will be your NVA uh, your your Viet Cong shirt you know if you are playing via kong you know you mix it up have a couple of shirts put them in your ruck one to wear one part of the day one to wear another part of the day
2: right like sleep in sleep in the dry one and let the other one that you're going to use when you're running around hang out you know hang overnight
3: yeah so if you want authenticity the only Practical way to get something in your size this day is to order way ahead of time with uh, squadron so shop. If you just want to be just good enough, get yourself a two-pocket tan dicky shirt.
2: Okay, and that goes for both both NVA and Viet Cong, really. Just depends on, yeah. depending on the color.
1: So anyway. I can show up in my Tupac shirt. He just said it. <laughs>
3: Just a two pocket shirt and underwear. That's uh, all. <laughs> just like that.
2: Like, how about the short shorts for uh, Viet Cong Sapper? We're going to have
3: I an think episode McKenna's on got short that
2: shorts. shorts. Yeah, McKenna yeah. was working on that. Yeah. The Hot pants I- episode. Yeah. That's for the pants. That's for next episode, McKenna. We'll get you on for that. All right.
4: Good. I'll, I'll cover all types of short shorts that are kosher during the Vietnam War.
2: <laughs> there you go. So let's. Let's get on to the USGI option, which is really – there's one option, which is the Jungle Fatigue shirt. I guess there are different um, different patterns, but it's really the same basic green shirt. That's your choice. Um, CJ, you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. So with the, the US top, the green blouse, you have th- – there's three options, but really – you have second pattern and third patterns are the really the ones that are obtainable uh, third pattern's being the most common with the the Rothco repros and the the I think uh Soldier of Fortune has their own repros yep and uh, and but there are first pattern repros out there made by Miltech which actually are really nice um, I believe Liam you got a set
2: yep just came in
1: I, I got a set, and they're they're really nice. They're it's a really really quality repro. They're thicker than the than the Roth goes, and uh, they're pretty nice.
2: Yeah, it's, it's with- a poplin. It's a poplin top. Yep. it's, really, it's uh, nice. It, price is decent. Um, the only flaw I think it has is it has the name tape Ryan on it, and has a was a seventh Cav um, patch on it on there. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. yeah. That's so that's you, really it.
1: Pull them off, you know, and you're good to go. And I mean, that's one thing you see a lot of guys in the 173rd, you know, you do see guys in first patterns, you do see guys in second pattern tops. You know, the your uniforms are were supplied, you know, constantly. The guys are wrecking uniforms again, resupplied and resupplied, so um it doesn't hurt to have that variety. So,
2: so would you, so right now what are you saying? uh Soldier of Fortune's a good a good source. Moore's when he has them in stock, he has he actually yep. has everything, right? He has first, second, and third pattern tops. Yes. All Poplin. Um I definitely recommend getting a Poplin uniform over the ripstop stuff. But I mean like it's like um like we like we said and we've we've reiterated a million times that the Rothko top is okay. Um CJ does offer a service of dyeing them if you buy them through him and he gets them at a discount, so I, if you're looking to buy a uniform, a full set of uniform, there's no reason not to buy it from CJ, and he will dye it the correct color for you. Yeah, and it'll,
1: it'll be the, the best price you'll get anywhere. Yeah. And uh dyed and, and all that. The one thing I do have to add, Soldier of Fortunes, they're a little more money than the Rothko's, but you're paying you're not going to pay what you pay for like a set of moors. they're not the quality isn't as good as moors would be right just wanted to throw that out there
4: and they're cheap and good for having multiple sets because your first set is always going to get soaked in the first day exactly yeah in
1: the first five Mm -hmm. minutes
2: yep yeah i mean at least like carry a top maybe you know I, I guess most like even for me, I think most of the time i just I just changed my top I just kept my pants on whether they're wet or not mm-hmm. it's nice to have extra sets as McKenna said yeah
1: of course. i I would always you know gearing up for our events you know try to bring you know i I try to always have three sets of uniforms at least, yeah you know uh, just in case you know you split a crotch or you're soaking wet you know it's always good to have backups
2: so um I guess the usual cost more is what is what is the more top about eighty bucks. Yeah, I believe so. Right, and the Soldier Fortune first pattern, if I remember correctly, was about sixty dollars after, you know, the the pound, the British pound conversion to dollar. Yep. Um, and then the Rothco, if you don't buy from CJ, they're about forty-five dollars each. Um, CJ gets my them. price is my Good. price
1: is so low, it's crazy.
2: Crazy. Do you, wait, do you want to tell your price? or are you? Uh, I,
1: I cannot tell my price. You oh, cannot come tell on, his Walmart, price. But it but, is cheaper than anything you'll find on the internet. Yes.
2: So I highly recommend getting it from CJ if you don't want to spend an arm and a leg. It'll be cheaper than the
1: $45. And it'll be dyed.
2: And it'll be dyed with the correct color. I mean that's really it about. It's pretty basic about the jungle fatigue shirt. I mean you can you can go to like thrift shops. I know in thrift shops the um, OG one hundred and seven utility tops. Um, they they're actually pretty cheap. You can get them for like twenty to thirty bucks. Um, they're the older pattern that they wore. I guess before 65, yeah. 65 to sixty seven ish. You see a lot of one hundred seventy third guys with them, even like gearing up for like. Um not not Junction City, what was the what was the operation before? Uh Cedar Falls. They had they they were still in utility tops. I guess they got resupplied with the newer first patterns and wore you know wore those, but like you'll see a lot of like a lot of the guys in like 65, 66 wearing the utility tops. And they still had them up until up into the the late sixties. So if you really wanted to wear one of those, that would be okay too.
1: And just remember, yellow tag is bad. Yellow tag is... Agency. Yeah,
2: you want a white tag.
1: Um, another thing, too, though, uh, like you said, thrift stores. Even you could find, you know, Jungle Fatigue, Slant Pockets in thrift stores, flea markets, you know, because a lot of people get rid of them. They don't know what they have. Check your local uh, Goodwill, you know, check your local antique store. Yeah. Um, you never know what you'll find, when you'll find it, and you'll probably get it for a steal.
2: And they're usually labeled BDU, and they're not BDUs, so right there is like a good sign that the person doesn't know what they're selling.
1: Exactly, exactly.
2: What else? Anything else on uh, on on BDUs? <laughs> no, on, no, uh, juggle uh, fatigue slant pockets. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. That's
1: that's what you're looking for. Slant slant top pockets. That's the the clear giveaway that it's you know a vietnam jungle fatigue and if for those of you who don't know um if you're looking at a top and you don't know if it's poplin or ripstop ripstop it has checkers you look at it, it looks like like little tiny squares
2: right looks like a little grid
1: <clears throat> yep
2: all right so yeah that's that's a basic rundown of each blouse option for operation coaches green and all of our other events and most of the other events um what my plan is eventually to compile all these segments into one one piece, and we'll release it closer to Operation Koji's Green. So, like, you can have the it'll be like one longer, come and correct. Uh, it won't be like a we won't we won't commit a whole episode to it, but it'll be released in between podcasts. So yeah. we'll work. We're gonna work from the head down, weapons, um, you know, rucksacks, that kind of stuff. When you know, as we go, as the year goes on. But let's move on to the next topic, which we're going to talk about is the Discord channel that we're actually using right now to record this podcast. Brian McKenna graciously helped us out with building this entire thing with his expertise for running the um, his own Discord for the seasonal justice, no, seasonal violence events through StagOps.
4: So I like Brian, how they're. They're they're called seasonal violence now. The the official names are uh, spring offensive and autumn justice. Wait, and, weren't uh, they called but
2: were they called seasonal violence?
4: No, that was that was sort of a something uh, one of my friends had started was calling them seasonal violence, <laughs> um, and I like how that's now caught on and everyone actually uses that term now, even though they have real names. All right, so I'm not wrong. No, you're not. Okay. It's, it's an yeah, unofficial it's, it's, official name now.
2: All right. So, yeah, it was, was Spring spring Offensive and Autumn
4: Justice were the Correct. two events. Yes.
2: So, McKenna, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the uh, Discord channel, what
4: you set up for us? Yeah, I do. Um, so my Discord has about 300 people, and it gets a bit crazy. This I is a lot more manageable, and it took no time at all. So it was very easy. I um, I think that it, it definitely helps out the events having a place where people can see what other people are coming to the event as planning, you know, getting in touch with people because with Facebook there's no real community there, you know, they see the event, they say I'm going, I'm not going and they don't really communicate with anyone else that's that's going. So right. it, it's it's on the on the event runner or whoever you have the the squad leader, or platoon leader, or whatever to go and track people down and, you know, or you're going to be in my platoon or, or whatever. The Discord offers a place where people can join up. You know, it's less work for the event runners and you can spend that time focused on the event and uh, and less less time Sherlocking, which is yeah. what I do a lot for me and I know how painful it is. Um, but this is a great place, um, you know, you want to build a community and, uh, and, and the Discord is great, great for that. Um,
2: yeah, it seems like it's already working for the uh, NATO-Russo game. We get a lot of um, Russian guys already asking questions. So
4: Yeah, no, it's good to see that. Um, you know, on the, on the old days of forums, people, I, I mean for myself, used to just wait on the, the kit picks pages and just wait for people to post up their kit picks. And, uh, and you're seeing a lot of that here. Uh, people coming on, posting their pictures, getting good feedback. Um, I think a lot of feedback has been given, good and bad. Um, but it's good that people are uh, are doing a good job and actually helping other people get the correct thing.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, agree. I think we're kind of going to be in a transitional period until everyone joins up on this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll be sharing info on both the Facebook page, you know, the Facebook pages and the Discord. Um, But yeah, I mean, what I like about it is I get a lot of personal messages and questions to me and I answer them, but then I'll answer the same question or or get the same question five times where it's great that it'll be on this and it's a little more personal where they're like, hey, Liam, is this okay?" But it's out in the open. You know, right. it's not just a private message between me and this random person. So that's what I'm hoping like alleviates a lot for me, and oh, you know. it'll
4: completely solve that problem. Um, you know, with mine, like I said, I have 300 people, and every one of them, you know, has questions, issues, whatever, and it's not easy on a Facebook page where people, you know, what what will someone think of this if i post it on public or whatever the discord is nice because it 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 offers something that's a little bit more safe you know they're with people that are like-minded they'll feel safer asking a question and if they see a question that's already been asked in public you know they're not going to keep asking you um and and the discord definitely helps with that and like you don't even have to be the one that that answers it. Like if they say, hey, is this correct for this you know, era, period, whatever, someone else that's done the research and knows everything can answer that question. Yeah. So you yeah. don't have to wait on your Facebook This to is, answer it.
2: This is really replacing forums. In, in, yes. in a nutshell, it's really re- – I mean there's there's the Vietnam Airsoft forum and that's like dead. Yeah. No one goes it's on. Sad. It.
4: Yeah. It's sad. It's um, sad. Facebook is great. But the thing that Facebook killed – was forums and forums were great for building a community and getting people interested in things. Uh, I started on an airsoft forums. I think everyone here did. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And now, with the advent of Facebook, it's just been hey, here's an event, go to it. And then there's no before and after. It's just there's the event, you go to it, you have a good time. Yeah. Maybe you'll post a few pictures and comment on it. But other than that, it's. But and that's I know,
2: it, I, and you know, like I tried to work it's around that, around making, that with making, with making the, um, you know, the unit, the unit group. So like the MVA had their own little group, and then the GI had their own group on Facebook. And I think it just gets like buried in the clutter of all these groups. Like people are like, oh, another fucking group on Facebook. Exactly. Like, and it's like yeah. I feel bad making them, but I needed to. We didn't. We didn't have anything else, you know. And and this year, like I said, I think. For this year, for coachie's Green, we're going to do a little bit of both on Discord and still on Facebook. But I really – if it works out, I really want to get it on one channel and I think it's going to be Discord.
4: So you the know? Discord will never be done. You're, you'll always like want to tweak and add Oh, things. yeah. I yeah. mean for this size, we're, we're – I'd say 98% done already. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is like over time, it, it's just so much easier – And it's just so much work that you don't have to do you know it's all preventative maintenance basically yeah and uh once you have all the the forums and stuff up people can just you know i'm already seeing people that have never met each other before and they're communicating sharing pictures hey let's go to this event together stuff like that and that's what you like to see no
2: yeah it's great yeah like i said a lot of the the nato russo game i think we're getting a lot of traffic and a lot of buzz just from discord alone Right. which is nice, which is really nice. I will,
4: I will be bringing a lot of people to that game, and I know you want to talk about that on a separate one. Um, yeah. But those seasonal violence games um, have now moved from UBG, which was, uh, it was, it was uh, I don't want to say Airsoft Mecca, but it brought, I mean, you had 500, 600 people every spring and fall coming to UBG down the Cape. Yeah. And UBG is still – UBG moved to Bridgewater, um, but, it, you know, that field was amazing. It was a great the field. Event, yeah. The, yeah. The event is now moved to Tolcom, someplace everyone here is now familiar with. Um, and having experience through your events and now having one prior to spring offensive is going to draw in, and I'm pushing – I am pushing so many people because people have to understand what Tolcom is. Right. You're not just battling an enemy on flat ground. You're battling the terrain, your kit, everything.
2: Yep. It, Even the flat side of Tolcom is not flat. Oh, yeah. You know.
1: And honestly, Tolcom is, you know, that's like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's one of the iconic places for a northeastern oh, yeah. airsoft, you know, yeah. like, I mean i i started playing back in 2003 2004 and that was like one of my first big games was at Tolcom. you know back then so yeah So still have that Almost so 20 years
4: yep. all, all of, I, I don't know how long gordon gordon smith who um runs stag ops i don't know i know he's going to do one event of his own yeah, prior he's do, to...
2: He's doing a joint fantastic. thing with uh, M. Saddle, right? Uh, right. A month or two before spring offensive. Right. But see, and, this is what I, I think just for the... I mean, we might as well talk about it. We can talk about it for now, and then we'll, for, we'll formally officially talk about it right. next episode. But I think going to the March event would be good because you're going to see the field without leaves and foliage, so oh, you yeah. can kind of get a better lay of the land and the, the terrain.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm pushing all of my guys to, uh, I'm going as Russian. I've already made that decision. Um, I have a nice Russian kit that I barely use. Um, and, uh, and I'm pushing my guys because the, like for me, it's, I mean, I don't know if you want to tell people or if you want me to about your staff position for on my command staff for spring offensive. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. But having people, you know, especially on my side, you know, understand the field and, and play there before the event will will definitely get them in the mindset of, okay, I need to change every piece. Of, you know, I need to change this about my kit because this isn't conducive to two days of yeah. just full on. it's just suicides the entire weekend, just back yep. and forth. It's yep. huge. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to push I, I, I mean on my discord I'm pushing you've seen that yep. um, and I'm definitely going to start pulling in more people into this discord yeah I, um, I think
2: but then, like I said even back to the discord discussion it's a good channel to get people to go to events and then, and like I said where I think all of us as the base staff like my, myself, CJ, Ferrucci um, it's a new it's a new so it's mm-hmm. we have to get used to promoting on it um, I noticed the other day I was posting like banners I use on Facebook. I'm like, hey, they look kind of look like shit on Discord. I got to make it like a Discord banner now, you know? Right. So um, we're getting used to it. Like I said, it's new. Uh, even even the other staff guys like they don't they still they don't know how to use Discord. So when we did the the uh, staff meeting the other night, we had like my dad my dad was like trying to figure out how to get on, and we had to like walk him through it, you know? So. Like I said, there's growing pains, but I think overall it's a good thing. Definitely yeah. a good thing.
4: Yeah, once everyone figures out how to use their microphone and how to put their, you know, speaker input or whatever, yeah. you know, that yeah. that's the thing with the, the, the planning side. And I really, oh, my God, do I love it on the planning side. You know, I mean, for me, I have four platoon leaders and under them four squad leaders. And, you know, I have my five, five command staff members. Yeah, you know, that, that ability to voice – you know, it's like you said; those text groups just get inundated with with bullshit. Oh, and, I know,
2: I know. That's my goal. My goal through my goal for for coaches is to have the two platoons on here um, for this year. The NVA, I'm like the NVA. If we get a few guys where they can pass the word on, like I don't know if like Chris Johnson will eventually get on. But really, Roman, I mean, Roman, you just got on tonight, but you'll probably be on yeah. here talking about um, NVA plans and tactics already. I think it'd be easier for you to use your voice and you can post things in the chat as you're talking to, like, teach guys how to be Vietnamese soldiers, you know. Um,
3: Wait, hold on, hold on. Does this thing record stuff? Like, I can make a voice post? Or am I, am I misreading what you're saying?
2: Uh, I'm you, talking about you can hold like, like little powwows with guys who are coming as MVA. If you look up, um, if you look at all the channels and all the different things we have here, there is a VN planning group. Um, yeah, there's a Brass VN planning, Squad Leader VN planning, General VN planning. So you can... Talk in one of those chats, like calling, you know, posting the, in the Facebook group like, Hey guys, I'll be on discord tonight at seven o'clock. And I'm going to tell you what you need for when it fucking rains and you not to bitch out and you can have a whole powwow about that.
4: One of the most, um, underrated things that I do is probably a month before the event. I'll my, um, spring offensive, autumn justice, those events, what I'll start doing is I'll start on my drive home from work. Is like okay, I'll be on for thirty minutes because I can't write anything during that time. I'm driving home to work uh, from work. I will be on. Come ask your questions. I have an office space area. I will be be sitting in there. Come in there if you have questions. And people come in and ask questions. And then I also have scheduled like big. Hey. I'm gonna talk about this, here's the list of things that need to be covered from the last event that need to be changed, whatever, and you know scheduling those things. Now you can, like we're doing now, record those sessions and, and I've started doing that for my own guys uh, for their side of the NOM events. It's a great tool to come in and, and talk because people, you know, it's very hard for people to wanna to do their own research and uh and h- hand holding for like 10 different guys is really hard but when you can do it all at once it's just super easy
2: yep that's why actually we we have if you look up top in the general chat we have the uh, talk talk and we have we're gonna be holding fireside chats in between the podcast and they're gonna be kind of like a live um, I guess a live question podcast uh, podcast where, we're gonna be talking about a, a subject and people can join the chat and ask us questions as we discuss it. So there'll be like a round table where it'd be like us five talking and then the listeners can come in, they can ask their questions as we discuss it, and you know, we'll answer them and talk about it. Which brings me to another point about the fireside chat is the next fire the first fireside fire, bleh, I can't even talk. The first fireside chat we're gonna hold. Is going to be talking about surviving the night at any one of our events, whether that be Vietnam, if we ever do a modern, um, or the post-apocalyptic Roman. I know we're going to talk. We, we're going to talk about that eventually in the year. But just what to do and what to come with to survive a night out in the woods, because it seems to be a a thing that people do not come prepared for. Did you not Yeah. So we'll we we'll, we'll, we don't have to talk about it now, but we will talk about that at the fireside chat. Everybody in this podcast right now is invited to be a speaker on there, and we'll give details um, as this podcast pod, as this podcast releases, and um, in the, obviously in the Discord and on Facebook, we'll, we'll uh, post about it.
4: And the nice thing here is you can you can also have like streams as well to to go along with. You know your fireside chats, you know, so that the leader can have their screen and go through and show links and maybe pictures of things that, you know, here's what they did, stuff like that.
2: Right. Which is kind of what I'm doing now with the uh, podcast itinerary. Right. So yeah, no, Brian, we really appreciate the work, man. Um, uh, I know no, you said too. it. Was, I know you said it wasn't hard work, but it's still your time. You know, your time's appreciated. Putting it all together,
4: it 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 will make. I will. I guarantee it'll make events better and run smoother for you. And you will spend so much less time planning and answering <laughs> the same question over and over and over again to like fifteen <laughs> different people. Yeah, man. It's it it's a game changer. It really is.
2: No, it's hopefully. Like I said, we got to get more people on. I th- I think I got to do another. Um, burst of advertising it uh i think
4: the podcast is going to do a lot of that for you i yeah, mean yeah yeah i know t- there's a ton of people that listen to this and uh even just putting this out there with the discord link you're gonna see a huge influx 100 uh, right percent, man and then you'll see like a shit ton of my guys in the next few weeks uh coming in you know gearing up for the uh the nato the, Russo. The russian yeah 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 yeah, I'm actually looking
2: forward to that game. Well, like I said, uh, Brian, we'll get you back on for the next one to talk about that. Um, yeah. But let's uh, let's let's jump to the next topic, which is our last topic for the night, which is our experience at the Museum of American Armor in Old Bethpage, New York. We are asked to um, be the live display for a Vietnam veteran uh, ceremony they're holding. Frucci, you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um He's been dying to talk.
2: I know, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um well I mean as I know we, I've talked about this to you guys, you know, till I was basically blue, but um long story short, thanks to make you know, Facebook Marketplace, you know, I met a individual who uh runs a couple of the vehicles at the uh Beth Page Museum and everything and um introduced our brand of, you know, come correctness and uh was pretty impressed by that and uh invited us to you know, present what we're all about and um i think yeah, i mean i know we've all talked about it yeah but it was just such an awesome experience to yeah. see the busloads of vets to come out and you know f- well more well for the ceremony more importantly but for them to uh really appreciate um how we re- you know represented them yep, yep. um
2: yeah, they I did they all said our they all said we looked a little old, but our uh, kits were good. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, we so. yeah, well, all of us are twenty one and stuff. We get it, but um, no, it was. I think I think it was a really great ceremony and everything. Um, meeting, you know, some of the other reenactors involved was great.
2: Yep. Um absolutely.
0: Like it was just. It was just something that, like I said, you know, like I've told you in person, you know, I think it was a great way to kickstart twenty twenty, to get involved, you know, to broaden our horizons, yeah, and be more involved with these events aside from the airsoft, and really just represent, you know, what we're capable of, and you know, and what we can educate the rest of, uh, you know, uh, the you know the society who. You know may, may not made understand what happened fifty plus years ago and everything right. and it's a good way to uh like I said, educate and um you know, like like my dad was talking about. I mean he he absolutely loves it. I mean hopefully he he'll, he'll join us and everything, but um I get nothing but positive feedback from the other Vietnam vets who uh Yeah,
2: they it was it was they they saw us and they like um there was one point where we all walked down to check out the um what did we it was down to the artillery guns, which was like on the other side yeah. of the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. And all the, the vets are like, they're like, wow, those guys look like they're really on patrol. They look great, you know. Yeah. So it's really nice hearing all that stuff and all the positive feedback that the vets, the guys who were there, we were there to honor, are appreciating us, you know. So. Oh yeah,
0: well, because we're appreciating them for the, the 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 sacrifices they made. Of course. And um, you know, it was it was an honor to shake all their hands and everything, and some of them that wanted to take pictures with us. Yep. Uh, Was very meaningful, Um, especially when the county executive. That was nice to have someone to get involved like that as well. Yeah, Um, means a lot. At least you know, good for you know, good for them. You know, acknowledging their uh, their service and everything. Um, I was even talking to Jim. Uh, He was very surprised when uh, when the county executive actually mentioned reenactors because she never mentioned. Right. Reenactors in any of her speeches, so it was nice that you know she gave us the recognition as well. Yeah, because we're not BSing around or anything, and then uh, just making a hell of an impression. Because I mean, it, like I said, it, it was just an enti- entirely awesome day. I mean, especially when we got to you know go in that V one hundred and drive around and everything. I mean, like I could just see the potential. You know, yeah. I mean, yep. whether or not it's with this museum or some other museum that we could get hooked with. Uh, we know that we can definitely take Broken Out to the next level and then yeah. some. I mean, the sky's the limit.
2: Yeah, and then you know, um, the next episode we're actually going to have um, Jim Lennon and Joe Napoli on, who are the rep. You know, they're they're our contacts yes. for the museum, and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. our future plans with them and the museum. Um, I don't want to I don't want to give too much away, but if you right. saw on, on Facebook, we just released the uh, Tanker Weekend that we will be the Vietnam display there. So that's um, Labor Day weekend, September 4th to the Mm -hmm. 6th, I believe it is. Yes. Um, We'll be there all weekend, you know, educating the masses that go through. Um, But we're really looking forward to that. And it'd be something different than just going out there and going on patrols like we do. We will be at Cochise. (laughs) But we'll be at the base and we'll be talking to people and hopefully veterans will come and see – that we we put in an effort, and we tried to portray what they went through.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, like I said, I mean, the, I, how we go bad speaks for itself. And I think the vets who already saw us beforehand will spread the Yeah. You know, there's a group of guys who take this incredibly serious, and they literally go down to the thread of how authentic we come across.
2: Right. CJ, what do you have, and, buddy?
1: No, I, I honestly think it was a great weekend, you know, and it was uh, awesome to – to be able to be a part of their ceremony and you know, see all those vets getting their awards that they deserve, mm-hmm. and just being able to be a part of that was huge. Yeah, you know, and, uh, we all, you know, we all look great, you know, and uh, seeing the little kids following us around wanted to, <laughs> wanted to just see us, you know, that was that was that was awesome, and that's pretty much why we do it. You know, that's all. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I guess. Well. Liam and I kind of touched on that as well. You know, maybe some of the kids who come to these events might be influenced once they're of age, of course, to, you know, maybe get into airsoft or at least have a more appreciation for history. And, uh, you know, maybe like I said, uh, have, have some more people involved eventually for years to come. And, uh, 'Cause I know out in Long Island, what, the airsoft scene isn't that strong. I mean, I know they got like one or two indoor fields. I mean, that's not really much.
2: Yeah, mostly out east. Like further out. Exactly. Artists. But yeah, oh, yeah but, I'm I'm looking forward to that. We'll we'll talk more about that um with Jim and Joe on the next episode. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean I this was a pretty solid episode for the podcast. Yeah, yeah it was a it was a good yeah. first episode on yeah.
0: Discord and everything. You know, yeah. thank you, Brian, by the way
4: oh you got it. you're welcome yeah i i do um, this for you guys a I,
0: yeah because yeah, i mean i've heard of discord before but i never personally experienced it and like you were mentioning before it's a great way to communicate with the with everybody it's it's you know it's a new new wave of you know of, you know replacing those and everything and at least and and how you, how organized it is i mean we got everything from to to modern gun yeah. picks and everything, so
5: yeah.
0: um, it's a good way to compartmentalize it and everything. So, um,
2: but definitely but, ne- next podcast. I know this weekend was crazy with Valentine's Day, but next yeah. podcast we got to get um, at least two people in person. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so tough. <laughs> like when you can't see each other.
0: Right. You know? No, I completely understand. Uh, you know, I'm I, speaking of Valentine. I'm surprised we didn't
1: do like a special Bay of Bays or something.
2: Nah. We were out of base. We, all no, know. we, we,
1: we were ter- we were terrible to our, our women, so they didn't want to <laughs> do it for us. And, and Mike, Mike, your Valentine's Day—that's what happened.
2: And Mike, your right hand doesn't talk. So what what is oh. your right hand going to say?
3: Oh shit, that sucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. So on that note, um, <laughs> Brian McKenna, say, say goodbye. Goodbye,
4: everyone. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man, you'll be back on, baby. Oh yeah. All right, CJ, say goodbye. Take it sleazy, folks. Roman, say goodbye.
3: Goodbye.
2: Say that again. You sounded weird. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. There we go. And Mr. Ferrucci, you want to give us a send-off? Bye, Felicia. That's it? All right, all right. It's a quickie. Wrap that sticky. Come on. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I fucking hate him. I hate him
1: so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was doing that at the museum. I
3: know you want to leave me. Two,
2: one, recording. All right, Bay listeners. This is the 13th episode of the Bay podcast. Basically, our anniversary episode since we've started doing this in February last year. So, one tour in country, man. We, we're done. We did it. And I want to. S- I was hoping you guys would cheer. This sucks that it's oh. over. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> cool day. Yeah. We All right. did it. Let me do it again. Here we go.
3: <laughs> so,
2: uh, Ferrucci, say what's up. Yo yo. Roman, say what's up. What? Say it again, Roman.
0: Yo yo. Yo yo.
2: Roman, say what's up.
1: If you
0: don't come correct, I'm going to find you.